0: Thing is, guys, we're going to discuss what a lot of y'all don't like to talk about, myself included. We're continuing this series of warrior conversation. We're going to talk about things again that most churches don't want to talk about or want to explain. And today, we're going to talk about your money. That's what we're going to talk about: tithes and offerings. We're going to call it the truth about tithes and offerings i already got a lot of people looking at me really bad like y'all are mad already like i can see it it's okay i think you'll be very excited to hear what we have to talk about today and the way that truly we're supposed to give offerings to the church okay go to luke chapter six one verse i'm gonna read one verse it's luke chapter six verse 38 When you get there, shout amen. That was not a shout. That was pretty weak. Amen. Thank you very much. I still, Amen. There we go. Good job. Okay, y'all can quit. If I start reading and you shout. For if you give, you will get. Your gift will return to you in full and overflowing measure pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, and running over. Whatever measure you use to give, large or small, will be used to measure what is given back to you. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I praise you. God, thank you so much for the opportunity to preach on this subject today. Father, thank you for the guidelines that you've given us to preach on this subject. You have shown myself and Don exactly how this is supposed to be. God, we have so much scripture to back this up. Father, I'm excited to preach this to your people today because the thing is, is I truly believe this has not been taught right. I just feel that, not on purpose, but I do feel that some churches may have drifted away from the true meaning of offering to you. So God, I ask that in this moment that you anoint myself and you anoint Don from the top of our head to the bottom of our feet. God, I ask that you take all selfishness, pride, anger, anything that may be running through our minds or anything that we might have brought here today. Father, I ask that you cast it out into the sea and you replace everything with nothing but your love, your breath, and right now, God, your boldness and your truth. We pray these things in your name. Help us to love, help us to laugh, help us to forgive. Amen. Amen. All right. I was asked by someone not too long ago, they came by the store and they asked me, they said, Micah, how often do you preach? On giving, my response was, every Sunday. Jesus Christ gave his life for this church. We are supposed to mimic Jesus, right? We give ourselves every week to build the kingdom. So I asked them, when they looked at me funny, I said, I think you're talking about how often do I preach on money. Because giving is something that we have to do as a church, right? Jesus was a giver. Literally gave his life. It's our job to also give all that we can to build his kingdom. Church, I need, Christian Warriors Church is not a tithing church. I need you all to get that. We are a giving church. We're supposed to give each and every week. After all, again, what did Jesus do for us? He gave everything. Before we go any further, there is something that I need all of you to understand. The money that you have been blessed with in your life, it's not your money. That's God's money. That's right. We need to get that straight right now before I can go any further to teach any more of this sermon. So I'm going to repeat myself one more time. The money that you have been blessed with, that he has given you, is not your money. That's right. It is his money. The home that you live in, the car that you drive, the school that your kids go to, the business that you have, any income, any blessing that has been given to you is not yours. Can we all agree with that? I see some nodding heads. There's a few Christians in here that agree with me. Some of you are like, but Micah, I worked hard for that car. Like, I can see that right now. Guys, we have to make sure that we have that mindset before we can go any further. So stick that in your Christian pipe and smoke it, okay? (laughs) Don's like, what did you just say? (laughs) The word tithe is used way too often in the church. The truth be told, (laughs) it's actually being used incorrectly, okay? Tithe. How many times do you hear people say, I tithe 15%. I tithe 5%. I tithe 20%. That's what I tithe. Do y'all know what the word tithe means? Yes. 10%. So they're already messed up in the head. They don't even know what they're talking about. Already. I've even heard pastors say it's okay if you don't tithe 10%. No, it's mathematically impossible to tithe less or more than 10%. So number one, right off the bat, our churches are getting it wrong. Right there. Right, right off the bat. So I, I've got proof of that. Okay, so Christian Morris Church... I'll never ask you guys to ever, ever, ever tithe 10%. You'll never hear me say that. Never. A big reason why is why would I put a cap on what God wants you to give the church? That's right. That's right. Why in the world would I tell y'all 10%? That's stupid on my part. That's like, that's like y'all walking in the jewelry store, and, and, and I got this, this diamond sitting there, and, and I'm like, you know what? I know it's a $10,000 diamond, but man, just give me 100 bucks. Really? Like, come on, guys. Like, we should never cap what it is that God lays on our heart. Okay? And that's not just with money, by the way. That's anything in your life. When God speaks to you and tells you to do something, you don't cap it. You take it to the extreme. Amen? I want to go to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7. I'm going to pull it up. Y'all don't have to go to it. God does not want us to give 10% and to be forced to give 10%. You give what God puts on your heart. This verse proves that to you. You must each decide in your heart how to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. Y'all hear that? Don't give in response to pressure. Don't ever let someone pressure you to give. The only pressure you should ever feel is from God. And it won't feel like pressure. It'll feel like peace. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. We all know that. God loves a cheerful giver. Y'all have heard that verse many times. But here's the thing. So many people. But Micah. Why has the church been teaching us for our entire lives to give 10%? Because they don't trust God. They don't trust their congregation to listen to God. So they force ten percent down your throat. I need y'all to understand I'm not talking about every church. There's a lot of amazing churches out there that do this right. But I do know for a fact there are a lot of churches that do this wrong. God bless them. I don't think they're doing it. I hope they're not doing it intentionally. I'm just saying I hope they're not doing it intentionally. Don will get into more of that. I'm gonna I'm gonna shut up though. Don, because <laughs> no. Don's gonna talk about that a little bit, so I'm gonna move on. I don't wanna steal that away from him. No. Y'all need to know that God is not after your money. He's always after your heart. I want to go to Matthew chapter 6 verse 21. Wherever your treasure is there the desires of your heart will also be. That verse tells me something guys. If you think God is after your money you need to check your heart. If your heart is about money we have a major problem. I do believe <laughs> I actually do believe that some of you guys I, I kinda think that your wallet is attached to your heart because when I see that bucket come around sometimes and I see you reach back and it's like it hurts You know, it's like, it's like it's tugging at your heart a little bit guys money should not be what, that should not be in your heart that should not be the desire that you have God wants again Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be. If your treasure is money, then you know what? Yeah, he's after your money. Because that's what you put on your heart. That's not what he wants. He wants you. He wants you. He wants you to step up and help him generate a stronger kingdom, a stronger community here locally. That's what he wants. Now, does that mean give money sometimes? Sure it does but sometimes it's just giving your time, it's giving the effort, it's praying for somebody. There's a lot of ways that you can give, guys. Some of y'all are looking at me like, man, this church is going to be poor. You're sitting up here telling us we ain't got to give any money. No, that's not what I'm saying. (laughs) Let me continue. Let me continue. (laughs) I have some people that'll tell me, Micah, you know, I don't have much money to give. What I can give won't make a difference. It's not much money. If that's your attitude, that you don't have much to give, you're not going to receive any more than what you have. Go to Luke chapter 16, verse 10. One who is faithful with little will also be faithful with much. And one who is dishonest with little will also be dishonest with much. If you don't have a lot to give... You need to give what you can. And the thing is, is you have to be faithful with whatever amount you have. I don't want you guys to think that if all you can give is 1%, I promise you right now that 1% can make a major difference. I didn't put this in this sermon because the majority of y'all I would hope know this story. About a woman who gave two pence, isn't
1: that right? Two pennies.
0: Two pennies. We all know what Jesus said about her. Guys, I'm, I'm going to explain something to you. God can do more with a penny than you can do with a hundred million dollars. You give what you can give. And be faithful to that. And be confident in that. Instead of putting your ten dollars in that bucket and thinking, my ten dollars isn't going to do anything. When you put it in that bucket, you claim victory over that ten dollars. Some of you may say, but Micah, I have no money to give. Like I really don't. I really don't have any money. Like I have none. Well, here's my question. You how many times you go through Starbucks this week? And trust me, I say that I saw the CW sticker on a few of them in line <laughs> this past week. Starbucks is too expensive for me, I don't go a Starbucks. They don't have bangs. How many times did you go out to eat this week? How many apps did you download and pay for on your phone? I'm not trying to guilt you guys. I need you to understand that. I'm not beating you up, but I am making you check your heart. Because I'm telling you, five, ten dollars can go a long way. can go a long way, especially if it's what God puts on your heart to give. That's all I'm asking. I'm not going to ever ask again for 10%. I'm not going to ask for 20%, 30%, 1% or all of your money. I'm never going to do that. You'll never, ever hear me ask for your money. All I'm going to do is tell you that you need to give what God puts on your heart, not a dollar more and not a dollar less because here's the thing whatever he puts on your heart to give is perfect it's exactly what's needed amen I'm almost done Don I'm almost done (laughs) 10% again guys this is not what God wants and I know there are a lot of us that that truly cannot give that 10% the problem is is I feel that the church has forced this 10% so much that it's a big reason some people don't come to church they truly believe they can't afford to come to church that's a problem y'all y'all hear that I've actually had conversations with those people Mike, I I, I just feel bad I can't help the church can't give anything so why 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 do I need to go I can't afford to give any money so now I feel like you know the deacons the elders the finance team and the pastor is going to look at me wrong I need y'all to know something right now I have no idea how much money y'all give and I don't want to know it's none of my business I'll never ask the finance team I'll never ask the elders how much anybody gave I'll be honest with you I love all y'all and thank y'all for giving but I really don't care and you want me to tell you why because whatever you gave, God's going to use it. And I'm going to pray on how to use it. And we're going to use it the way that God wants it used. I appreciate all that everyone in this room and outside of this room and online and so forth has given. I need you all to understand this. Don't think that I'm not appreciative. I assure you I'm very appreciative because here's the thing. I have no doubt that God can work miracles without any money. But I will say this, it does make things a lot easier. This church and what we do cannot be done without what you have given. The offerings that you have put forward. What's going on next door right now, that's because of you guys. So thank y'all for what you do give. And I need you to take this with you. I don't care if you've given a dollar or if you've given $100,000. It's appreciated. Amen. I also need you guys to remember that because I've seen this before where some families, some fathers will give money to the church and their families at home starving and they can't pay the electric bill. Guys, 1 Timothy 5.8 tells you that if you do not supply for your family and support your family you are worse than an unbeliever. If you can't afford to take care of your family you better not give a dollar to this church. That's biblical. Take care of your family first. That's your number one ministry. Then give to the church. God is not going to punish you for not giving. I'm not going to steal that, I promise. We're we'll back here talking. He's going to talk about that. But he's not <laughs> going to punish you guys for not giving. He's going to get into that. So, so I'm going to continue. On. I'm, sorry. I'm really trying to steal because it. it was good stuff. Like everything we talked about, I was like, why didn't I think of that? Like, seriously. <laughs> I was going to steal one thing and just see if you noticed it, but I, I didn't.
1: You can go and take anything you want.
0: Okay. All right. Y'all heard <clears throat> He gave me permission. That's right. Uh, one more thing that I need to point out before I pass it over to Don, guys. Do not give money to the church expecting money in return. That's not how God works at all. Uh, he, it, what he gives you is so much better than money back. Let's go to Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of Heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing, excuse me, I will pour out blessings so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. I want y'all to notice the word blessings. That's why I've got it in all caps right there. The Hebrew word for blessing does not mean money. I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out blessings. I'm dyslexic. That's why that A is right there. Don't pay attention to that. I will pour out blessings. It's not money. It's not a vacation home. It's not a new vehicle. It's not even a lifetime supply of rainbow unicorn bangs. (laughs) The Hebrew word for blessing means peace. There's nothing better. You can't buy peace. Doesn't matter how much money you have. Guys, what this is telling you is if you give what he tells you to give, if you pour out of your heart what he wants you to give, whether that be finances, whether that be time, prayer, using your own hands, whatever it may be, he'll give you peace. That's a promise. God don't lie. So from here forward, what I'm asking this congregation to do is very simple. Before you ever give, pray about what you should give. That's all I'm asking. If you do that, I promise you, you'll be at peace. Take it over, Don. You got ten minutes.
1: I got ten. (laughs) (laughs) Now, when we were back in the back room talking, I would just... Don't tell them no, everything we talked about no, back here. Things were just Some of them are sitting off. out here right yeah, now. Yeah, but we won't, won't talk about that part. <clears throat> but if I miss something, you come back and you make sure it's get covered. Yes, sir. <clears throat> One of the things I didn't know, he was going to come over here in Luke 6, verse 38. But when he said that, God reminded me of something he showed me years ago. The last part of that is whatever measure you give, large or small, shall be measured what is given back to you. One day I was studying the parable of the sower, and I saw where he gave 30%, 60%, and 100%. I said, why isn't it always 100%? He said it's because of the measure that they measure my word. When I ask them to go pray for somebody, they figure about 30% of them will get healed. That's all they will get healed 30. Maybe 60. In my category, I believe 100. So therefore, whenever I pray for somebody, I believe they will be healed. Would he? he stopped me before we got into this other to let you know it's the measure you measure his word is what you get back so what you need to believe is when he says something in his word believe it will come back to you a hundred percent i got to get off subject on that one now we'll go back to the I got saved and I was 49 years old. God changed my heart. I was raised in the Catholic Church, and we didn't teach tithing in the Catholic Church. You just gave whatever God put on your heart to give. So when I got saved and I came out of the Catholic Church, I had closed my store. I was broke. I didn't have any money. I couldn't even pay my bills. And all I heard was preachers preaching, you have to give 10%. I said, God, what am I to do? I was laying in the bed, getting ready to go to sleep at night. And I said, God, what am I supposed to do? And he told me to get up and read Galatians chapter four. I said, okay Lord, I'll do it in the morning. He said, no, you get out of bed right now and go read Galatians chapter 4. So being obedient, I did. I got out and I read Galatians 4, 1-7. to seven. <clears throat> But remember this, that if a father dies and leaves great wealth for his little son, that child is not much better off than a slave until he grows up. Even though he actually owns everything his father had, he has to do what his guardians and managers tell him to, until he reaches whatever age his father set. And that is the way it was with us before Christ came. We were slaves to Jewish laws and rituals for we thought that they could save us. But when the right time came, the time God decided on, He sent His Son, born of a woman, born as a Jew, to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that He could adopt us as His very own sons. And he reminded me when I read that, adopt, that in the Jewish custom, an adopted son had the same rights as a firstborn son. In other words, he wasn't denied anything. He got everything the the older son got. And because we are his sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. So now we can rightly speak of God as our dear Father. Now we are no longer slaves, but God's own sons. And since we are His sons, everything He has belongs to us. He says, everything I have belongs to you. For that is the way God planned it. He says, if you listen to this 10%, this tithing, because I need it," he says, you need it worse than I need it. He says, you need to pay your bills. You need to make sure that everything is taken care of. I want you out of debt. I want you, whenever I ask you to do something, you can do it. If you're broke, you can't do that. If you owe so much, he says, what I want is you out of debt, so whenever I tell you something, You can do that. He says the reason some of these churches are teaching this, as hard as they are, putting you into condemnation. Go back and read Romans chapter 8. Therefore, there is no condemnation. They're telling you if you don't give, God's not going to give back to you. That's a lie. God loves you. He wants you to be prosperous. He wants you to have everything. He's given His only Son for our benefit to protect us, to free us from sin, to free us to be able to do the things that He wants us to do. So we've got to remember we're not like them. We do trust God. We put all of our trust in Him. We're going to read James 1, 5, I think, through 8. If you want to know what God wants you to do, ask Him, and He will gladly tell you, for He is always ready to give a bountiful supply of wisdom to all who ask Him. He will not resent it. I asked Him that night in the bed what He wanted me to do, so I knew I would get an answer. go to six but when you ask him be sure that you really expect him to tell you for a doubtful mind will be as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind I expected to hear what he wanted me to do these are the scriptures he told me to go to seven and eight And every decision you then make will be uncertain as you turn first this way and that. If you don't ask with faith, don't expect the Lord to give you any solid answers. Always remember to ask Him in any situation that comes up in your life. And He will be glad to let you know. And He will lead you to a Scripture that will let you know exactly what He wants you to do. Now we're going to Titus 1, verses 9 through 11. Now this this starts after Titus is talking about when... uh, Paul was telling Titus to go to this Crete and appoint pastors and elders. So we are now talking about pastors and elders as we read this. Their belief in the truth that they have been taught must be strong and steadfast so that they will be able to teach it to others and show those who disagree with them where they are wrong. That's why we're up here today, because that was a command by God to do. There are many who refuse to obey. This is especially true of, among those who say that all Christians must obey the Jewish laws. But this is foolish talk. It blinds people to the truth. And it must be stopped. Stopped. Already whole families have been turned away from the grace of God. Such teachers are only after your money. Mm. Did y'all hear that? We're supposed to tell the truth. And I believe that Mike and I have been sitting down. We've been discussing this for four to five years. Yeah. And God has shown us this is the way He wants it done. When I got saved, I had closed my grocery store, and I was broke. I didn't have any money. Ann and I struggled. She had a job, but her pay wasn't enough to pay all of our bills. And I remember one day, I said, because he had already kind of told me what to do, and I said, well, Lord, I don't have enough money to pay the bills this month. I said, I'm $300 short, and it's due on the 10th. On the 10th, I got a check for $300 in the mail. Just what I'd asked for. I'd roll that care on to him. He said, I'm supposed to roll it over to him. So I did. The next month, I was $700 short. I said, God, I don't know what I'm going to do. I, I'm going to do what you told me to do. I'm rolling it over onto you. Before the day was over, I got a phone call from a lady that had worked for me. She says, God has put it on my heart that that you need some help. She says, you come by my house today. I said, oh, I can't do that. She says, you be here because I got the coffee perking. I got to her house. She handed me a check for $300. And she says, that's not enough. She reached in her purse and pulled out four $100 bills and handed to me. And I said to God, God, how did she know? He said, because I told her. Because I knew what she'd do. She would be obedient and do what I needed, what she needed. What I'm trying to let you know, it's not what you give. It's are you obedient to what God wants you to give. Amen. And when... To do it, I've heard so much about it, tithing. I said, I, I don't. God doesn't mind. He expects me to ask Him questions because I wanted. Because I didn't know much. As a Catholic, we did not read the Bible. We weren't encouraged to read the Bible. But when I got saved in 1987, I wanted to read the Bible. I wanted to know everything I could learn. So that I would do exactly what he wanted me to do. So he led me to tithing, which is in Deuteronomy. Chapter 14, 22 to 29. It says, you must tithe all of your crops every year. This is what the law has to say in Deuteronomy. Bring this tithe to eat. You hear that? To eat. We're to bring the tithe to eat before the Lord your God at the place he shall choose as his sanctuary. This applies to your tithes of grain, new wine, olive oil, and the firstborn of your flocks and herds. The purpose of tithing is to teach you always to put God first in your lives. If the place you choose for, if the place the Lord chooses for His sanctuary, is so far away, that it isn't convenient to carry your tithes to that place, then you may sell the tithe portion of your crops and herd, and herds, and take the money to the Lord's sanctuary. When you arrive, use the money to buy an ox, a sheep, some wine. And some strong drink to feast there with him. That sounds like he's throwing a party. You're there to have a party with your whole family.
0: He didn't say weak drink either. He said strong drink. He, he
1: told strong drink if you. need My wife. Told Y'all don't
0: me, get any ideas. All right, <laughs> going home today and be like, but the Bible said strong drink, sweetheart. <laughs>
1: But anyway, it is, bring your family, I'm going to read the rest of that. What it is saying is you're supposed to be there to give praise and thanksgiving to God. It sounded like they were taking a vacation. That's what it sounds like to me. Before the Lord your God and to rejoice with your household. Don't forget to share your income with the Levites from your community. For they have no property or crops crops as you do. In other words, what he was saying is, invite the Levites that live in your area, when you're getting ready to go feast and praise the Lord, invite them. It says in another place, invite the widows and the orphans and the foreigners to come and feast before the Lord and give Him praise for all He has done for you in this past year. And you never hear this part. Every third year, you are to use your entire tithes for welfare programs. Give it to the Levites who have no inheritance among you or to foreigners or to widows and orphans within your city so they can eat and be satisfied. And then Jehovah, your God, will bless you and your work. Has anybody ever heard that? I know I never heard it brought up in church. It's it's every year. What I'm trying to let you know is we're not under the law any longer. We're under grace, which is what Jesus has brought us. One of my a little testimony. You know, I love to give stories. And I'll tell one about the time Ann and I went to our Kenneth Copeland convention in Fort Worth. And this was the time I just had been started working with the city of Monroe. And this was after I had worked a year, so I had a vacation coming. So we took our vacation and we went to Fort Worth, Texas to go to the convention. We had a daughter living there, so we knew we had a place to stay, because we couldn't afford a motel room. And so we went there, and I had borrowed a hundred dollars to take with me, just in case it was needed. Well, this started on a Monday night, and on Wednesday night, the man was up, and he was asking different ones in a congregation the, the place to stand up if it needed a prayer for a certain thing. And we saw a couple get up in the balcony way away from where Ann and I were sitting. And the man was praying for him and I heard the Lord tell me, and this is the first time I've heard him that clearly. He told me, he says, I want you to give them $100. I said, Lord, is that you talking to me? <laughs> I want to make sure this is from you because I only got 115 and you know it costs $5 a day to park and that's Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. That's $15. I only got $100, period. He says, I want you to give them $100. I said, okay, Lord. If when we leave, I run directly into this couple, I'll know it was from you. So when it was over with, we were walking down, and I naturally I looked around, and I didn't see them. I went down to the next level, and I didn't see them. And I just got that little sigh of relief. And then we walked out, and then I looked again, and I still didn't see them. So we walked over to cross to where I had our car parked, and it was a traffic light. And we stopped at the traffic light, I said, well, I'll look back one more time. I turned around and they were standing right directly with my... You shouldn't have looked back
0: at last time. I shouldn't time. have looked back the last
1: time. But I did. I looked back and I, there they were. And I hadn't said, I told Ann anything about this. And I said, Ann, God told me I was supposed to give them this last hundred dollars that we've got because they need it. She said, Are you sure? They looked like hippies to her. And I said, no, that's what God told me. He says, i got to do it. She said, well, you obey God. So I got out my $100 bill, and I tried to hand it to the guy, and he just wouldn't take it. His wife finally took the money, so I gave her the
0: money. That's about right.
1: Yeah, I thought so too. But uh, I told him what the Lord told me to tell him. He says, the Lord told me to tell you that he loves you. And that whatever problem you're going through is going to work out fine. And everything will be just perfect again for you and your wife. And he started to cry. Tears were running down his face. He said, oh, I'm so glad you told me that. He said, I thought he had given up on me. I said, no, he never gives up on us. He says, we had gone in... We have to go back. I have to be back at work. And uh, we were going to have to leave in the morning. So I had gone by to check and see how much the tapes for the whole convention were going to be. And they were $99 shipping and all included. He said, we didn't have $99. He says, now we do. Thank you. See God had me be obedient. He checked, that was a test. Would I do what he told me to do? And yes. When I got home, this was on a Wednesday night, and when I got home Monday, I went to work, my boss's secretary called me and she said, "Uh, did you hear the good news? I hadn't picked up my check yet. My check was to come in that Friday. I I said, no, I didn't. She says, well, Thursday morning, my boss came in and he told the secretary, he says, I want you to give Don $100 a payday raise. <laughs> now this is from Thursday, from Saturday night to Thursday morning that he gave me $100. It wasn't, it was more because it wasn't the amount or what it was because I was obedient to do whatever God says. It ain't how much. He wanted to know if I'd give everything I had to do what He wanted me to do. I've heard a lot. I I wasn't going to go into this, but yesterday morning, God woke me up about 6 o'clock and started talking to me. He says a lot of them will start talking about Melchizedek and Abram. And this was before the law. And that Melchizedek had given ten percent of the spoils to Melchizedek. Abram, I mean, yeah, he had. Uh, Abram had given him ten percent of the spoils. The spoils came because there was a group of kings that had attacked Sodom and Gomorrah and some other cities and had taken away his nephew Lot. And uh, Abram heard about it and he went and he destroyed them and was bringing it back. So he gave a 10% to Melchizedek. He also said there were three other people, groups that were his allies that had come with him, and he said to give them some of the spoils too. But they leave out the part where Abraham says, I don't want any of this. This doesn't belong to me. And he told that because that king had told him he could have it all. He says, No, it's yours. And he gave it all to him. He said, God takes care of me. He will see that all my needs are met. You didn't hear Mel Abram give a ten percent of everything he had coming in to Melchizedek, did you? He just gave him ten percent of the spoils. What I'm saying is God made me bring that up because sometimes that has been twisted to say something that it didn't really say. What I want you to know is God loves you and when He tells you to do something, don't doubt Him. You go do it. No matter if it hurts at the time. Be sure and be obedient to whatever He tells you to do now i know there were some things we talked about back then i told you i might need you to help me remember them so
0: i didn't have to tell you not as old as you look
1: i'm only 83 i'm one of the youngest ones here
0: I tell you what I really get that story that Don talked about where he needed three hundred dollars and it was given to him and then he needed seven hundred dollars and then the lady gave him I think it was three and then turned around and gave him four you know that what I love about that is at that point in time in Don's life uh, him and his family they couldn't give they literally did not have the money to give and what that story tells me is is you don't have to give to receive there's a lot of times in our lives where we might be in a situation where we can't give. Don't think God won't bless you just because you can't give. That's, right. Y'all, that's what I get from that story. Exactly. i tell you the other thing that I love. I mean, Don, Don was reading off all that stuff, and it, it sounds real boring. You know, all this, you know, you gotta, you, know, you got to get the, you know, when he was talking about the hard liquor or whatever it was. You know, he's talking about all that stuff. Okay, well, that, that's like a list of things that you're supposed to do with that money. And that's all in the Old Testament. And y'all heard him say that's old law, we're now under new law, which is grace law. Now, there's probably some people sitting in this room that don't know the difference between old law and new law. And they're like, I just thought there was one law. And it's okay, guys. Listen, I was there eight years ago. I didn't know the difference between the two. I had no idea. So don't feel bad if you don't know. So what I want to do is I want to explain that real quick to the people that don't understand. Those were laws that were put in place that God's people had to follow. And what I need you to know, that's the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments are part of the old law. Now you are looking at me like, does that mean I go kill somebody? No, that's not what that means. You need to strive to live by the Ten Commandments. But here's the thing, there weren't just Ten Commandments, there were over 600 laws. Some of them were crazy. I'm talking crazy, and I'm actually going to preach on this in, in a couple of weeks, so I'm not going to go into full detail of, of some of those crazy laws because I'll talk about them then. But what I'm getting at is, the minute that Jesus Christ took His last breath on that cross, the very second that that happened, we are now under grace law, that's right. and that's when it changed from all that mess to give what's on your heart. See, that's the great thing about Jesus dying on that cross. What happened in that moment, guys? Not only did we we were able to receive salvation but he also made our life a lot easier that's what you got to think about when he died on that cross, it, yeah it's for our salvation but it's also because he loves his people and he wants us to live an easier life God, those laws, they knew that wasn't going to work that's the whole reason God sent Jesus down here was to take care of all the mess that we had done as, as, as his children So. Remember that and again I'm going to preach on that in a few weeks for those of y'all that don't know and I'm telling you right now don't feel bad that you don't because I'm telling you eight years ago I was there and, and I don't mind saying that at all. Don't mind saying that one day. Um I've got a story kind of like Don's real quick and we're going to start closing this thing out but goodness, this was probably close to ten years ago. My brother-in-law and my sister Hannah had moved to Houston. Uh, Nick had gotten this really good job, and, and they were going to move down there. And Nick had been in school at the time, and you know they didn't have a lot of money at, at that point in time. They're they're filthy rich now, but at that point in time, <laughs> you know, he's a lawyer now. You know, it's like, but but anyway, uh, at that time they needed some help financially to get down to Houston. And my sister gave me a call, and her and Nick gave, gave me a shout, and they said, can you help us? I said, absolutely. So we, we gave them, me and Amanda prayed about it, and we gave them some money. And they got down to Houston. They had been there, I don't know, what, a month? Maybe a month? Four. months? Nick, the, the business that he was working for, I'm not going to go into a lot of detail, because one of them might be watching right now. But the business that he went to work for, there were just some things that weren't right there were certain morals that were not being used and Nick did not feel comfortable in that environment and they needed to get out so they called me again and they said we know you just gave we appreciate it, but now we gotta get home like this is just not right we've made a mistake and we all do that so I was more than willing to help them and uh, we did that me and Amanda prayed about it again we never asked for a dime back didn't plan on asking for any money back. When you give like that, that's something you shouldn't expect. You shouldn't ask for that. Kate, listen. There's a difference in letting someone borrow, and there's a gift, and there's a difference in a blessing. This was a blessing. Me and Amanda wanted to help my brother and my sister over here. The craziest thing. In 2020, this thing called COVID hits, right? I had to shut down all three locations I had. We were struggling financially. I never bothered Nick about that money, never would. And Nick came to me many times and said hey man," and actually a few times he would give me some money, give me some money and I just kept telling him like Nick don't worry about it. At some point in time I'm going to need your help. I know that. We can return the favor. That's how brothers work. At some point in time I'm going to need something. Amanda's probably going to kick me out of the house. I'm going to need a place to stay. <laughs> So, COVID hits. We're struggling financially. Nick and Hannah know this. Nick walks up and gives me a check for the exact amount that I gave him. Now, if me and Amanda don't pray about it, and if we don't give exactly what God put on our heart to give, when I'm sitting in a COVID year and we're struggling financially, do I get that back? Always get what's on your heart. You'll be repa- you will be repaid blessings with blessings. I'm going to leave y'all with this. People ask me all the time. I've had this for the last eight years of me being in ministry. Micah, why, why do you give so much? Why do you give so much time towards the ministry? Why do you pray so much for other people? Why do you give financially what you can give? Why do you give so much effort to the church? And I'm gonna leave y'all with this. I'm gonna tell you why I give so much. Because I can't get over what God has given me. If you think of it that way, every time he puts on my heart to do something and to give, what what I immediately think about is what he's given me. I look at my wife, I look at my children look at our home, I look at this congregation and this church, my mentors, my brothers, my mom, my sister. Nick, you're in there too. (laughs) I can't get over how good he's been to me. Jesus was a giver. We should be the same way. Grab a pen and paper, guys. I've given you all some time. I'm going to get you all to write this down. I'm going to leave you all with this. Giving is not required, but it should be desired. That's how you need to look at it. Guys, there's no better investment than God's church. You can invest in anything in the stock market, anything at all, and it could hit zero tomorrow. Even gold could hit zero tomorrow. But I'll assure you one thing if you invest in the church, it'll never hit zero. Right. Never.